VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Them showed up. Sorry about that. James Very is back nearly. from Cuba so, <laughs> or wherever. Literally the only South American company, country starting with a C that you would have been wrong. Well, no, I guess Chile. And there's probably others. Panama. Anyway, that doesn't start with a C. Anyway, mm. uh, yes, I'm back in uh, North America. After a little stint down in South America, which was a blast. Is it South or Central? I guess it was South Central. Interesting. Um, Well, no, Colombia is South America. Costa Rica might be considered Central America. I don't know. Which one were you in? Yes. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of everything. Oh, I've got sawdust on me. Um... Yeah, no, we got back. It was a great trip. It was partly uh, partly Becky working, partly a, a deferred anniversary trip, and uh, we absolutely loved it. We had a blast. We will go back uh, to that part of the world. It was wonderful. Um, not quite. It was very. It was very like chill and low key and relaxing. Unlike your weekend, which was high horsepower and action filled. Over there at the Charlotte Roval, it uh, yes, a lot of horsepower. Um, well, hang on, let's, minimal, let's let's let's. Sorry, what were you say? I was gonna say minimal action until the end. Right. All right. So yeah. let's let's go back a day um, to the Xfinity race, which you weren't there for that, right? You only went on no. Sunday. Yeah. No. But our buddies Sage Karam and Marco Andretti were running in the Xfinity race. Marco got caught up in someone else's deal car spun in front of him and he just had nowhere to go and unfortunately drove right into him and it was it's so tough right like you go into a track you've never been to with a car you've never really driven and trying to figure it out in like a 20-minute practice session so getting to the end of the race was probably going to be the best he felt the most comfortable he felt and inevitably in those races it's just like late caution after late caution after late caution an opportunity to move up but he got caught in one of them and unfortunately did not finish but hopefully we get to see him again. And then Sage, oh man, he was running so good. This one breaks my heart. Uh, he was running so well. He got himself up into third with like four laps to go. And uh, I don't know. I, I haven't got the full debrief. I don't know if something broke or he just went in a bit hot or there was damage from the contact he had earlier. But he went around under green running third. I was, I was bummed for him. 
I was texting you. I was like, all I want now is like the leaders to just run into each other a little bit and rough each other up and let Sage squeeze on by and, and get the W. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what. Yeah, yes, he's obviously, I'm sure, very disappointed. Um, but aside from AJ Allmendinger, right, who's been at this for a while. A right? very long time. Long time. I I would I would argue that Sage is probably the most promising slash successful open wheel to stock car convert that we've would, had in a long time. I would say he's he is taken to it quicker than almost anyone else. Correct. And that includes the likes of just get this list. AJ Allmendinger, uh Dario Franchitti, Juan Pablo Montoya, Juan Pablo Montoya, Sam Hornish Jr. I mean, those guys all went and now granted Scott you know, Speed. Scott Speed, great call. Um, there weren't as many road courses back then, but like the oval races that Sage has done, he's he's been there thereabouts. Like he's he's really caught on quite quickly. Yeah. And uh and it's awesome to see. And I think again, whatever happened at the end, the effort all day was incredible, and it just shows how he keeps improving and keeps just, you know. And and driving, I mean, no no disrespect to them, but like they're he's not in a in a right. KBM car, he's not in an RCR car, he's not in a car that gives car. Yeah. It's not a car that's been up front, right? He's right. in a he's in a team that you know they have kind of the the kind of like in go-karts, right? You've got your your crate engines and then you've got your like your tuned blueprinted engines that exists in Xfinity. The team doesn't have the budget to have that top line engine yeah the, the a engine right so i mean he's he's at kind of all these inherent disadvantages the team the way they do things they actually give the the best driver or the, the quickest driver that weekend the worst crew because in their mind they can overcome it they can overcome a slower pit stop than the maybe the slower teammate right so he's got a lot of things that's a super backwards way of thinking well wow. they're, they're playing averages right yeah, so, I guess, but like right. in a competitive situation, you'd think you'd stack the deck with your best shot. Maybe when he was at third, they, you know, threw everything at it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, switching crews <laughs> mid-race. <laughs> they did that at NDGP for him. So in really? NDGP, he, you know, qualified in the 12th to 15th or whatever, and they had his his kind of B crew, if you will, and he kept losing spots, and they were like, well, he can actually get in the top 10s. So for the last pit stop, they actually pulled the good guys, and they were running up pit lane. And actually, they did his stop. So they may, they may have done that. I don't know That's the whole amazing. backstory at the Roval, but I guess the point I'm making is he's getting he's getting results right in and, a car that is inferior. And I right. think that that's just a huge testament to how, like we said, how quickly he's taken to it. So that's congrats, Sage. Obviously, Marco, you know, it was his first first crack at it. So it's it was always going to be hell. You know, James, you and I had a first crack at. Tin tops. A different series and yeah <laughs> yeah didn't go well so like one great we we know we know how challenging it is um and and credit to those guys for for doing it and speaking of that really quick sidebar congrats to uh shane van giesbergen and is it garth tander garth tander yeah uh for their win at the bathurst 1000 which was also you watched that race i watched some highlights yeah i didn't watch the whole thing but the beginning was the biggest show yeah that was Dude, I, I read an article this morning about how some teams, like, because one team lost both their cars in the first five laps yeah. in like massive shunts and they're yes. 
really up against it to get the cars rebuilt in time for the next race and their crash damage bill is like through the roof and uh, uh pineapples it was doesn't sound doesn't sound good or fun and i feel bad for all those crews but um yeah great job to uh svg another uh another win on this season which is it, very did dominant. you notice did you notice how um richie stanaway who has had walked away from racing Unreal. retired deleted everything said i don't care walked out of the last event left his helmet he was working in a warehouse for like the new zealand equivalent of a best buy right and two or sorry 2021 comes and boost mobile is going to run an additional car they reach out to him he's interested race doesn't happen COVID. So, you know, he kind of went down the road of preparing and getting his mindset back into it and trying to overcome all of his negative emotions that surrounded motorsports. Race gets postponed. Uh, and so it, it comes back in 22. So he has a whole other year to think about it. And he has not driven a race car, a vehicle since 2019. And steps in and not only gets it into the top 10 shootout, yeah, but qualified fifth. Right. And started fourth because the car got a penalty. Like that is the most in a wild card car. Right. Again, not like a lineup machine. One of the most unfathomable things I've ever witnessed. Yeah. The 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 kid is unreal, man. I mean, it's it's, it's gotta be one of the one of the like most unfortunate cases of wrong place, wrong time syndrome from driver's standpoint, because the talent of him is absolutely undeniable in anything. Open wheel, tin top, sports yeah. cars, whatever. Yeah. And I, I mean, credit to him for just kind of, kind of saying like, look, I'm over the, I'm over the BS of it he all. He got burned too many times yeah. by too many people and was like, I'm, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. So. I mean, the business is rough, man. It, it sucks. It could definitely get to you, but it's a, it's a shame because he's a, a massive talent and a hell of a nice guy. And, but I'm, I'm really glad that, uh, he, uh, could show he still had it. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, does this, is this a one-off or is this the start of the comeback? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I, it was definitely a one-off, but after oh. talking to him, he was kind of like chuckling and laughing and smiling in a little bit. So I think, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I bet that I bet it opens up some opportunities yes. that might not have come for 23 had he still just been in, you know, a Best Buy warehouse kind of right. thing. Right. Um, it's almost like, it's almost like the Nick DeVries situation in F1, right? Like he was kind of, he was talking to teams, then he goes and does the one race in Monza and it's like every team in the paddock with an opening is like, how much? <laughs> yes, correct. Um, so let's back to, back to Charlotte. Let's close out that weekend before we talk about F1 stuff. Right. Um, so you and a gang. So I was, I was today. sitting on my couch Saturday. So we were originally supposed to go to Canada. Um, there was a, uh, uh, a matter that prevented us from going on Friday. And so I was sitting on my couch and I texted uh, some buddies of mine. I was like, Hey, where are we, where are we watching Connor's race from on Sunday? And they were like in Charlotte from this pit box. So-and-so has rented a jet. We're leaving at 9am tomorrow. Come. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. We'll we'll be back that evening. So, um, me and <laughs> a lot. Yes, slight interjection because that I believe I think if we're talking about that same person, if I know who you texted about that, uh, he had texted me like a week or so ago, maybe maybe two weeks ago, and said, "Hey, do you know if Alex is going to watch Connor?" And I said, no, I think he's going up to Canada for Canadian Thanksgiving that weekend. 
He goes, damn, I guess I'll have to find someone else with a plane to get me there. <laughs> well, he did. And it was a much better plane than I could have offered. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he it, does it. He's yeah. so good at just like whipping up private air travel out of thin air. Phenomenal. It's Phenomenal. unreal. So we, um, we boarded the plane at nine. We flew straight down to Concord. Um, someone was there to pick us up. Went to the credential line. I haven't been to a credential line for a motorsports event in ages, by the way. <laughs> so a huge shout out to all the fans that put up with all that because that is for Hashtag sure the least enjoyable part. First world problem. I have yes. to go stand at a credential line. Well, hey, it sucks for everyone. I know. Like no one enjoys that. No. Um, so then we uh, got into the track and immediately um, found Connor and, and his and his entourage and his car and everything and walked around and checked it out. And the cars are pretty uh, cool, eh? Like the cars are, yeah. The awesome. next gen cars are pretty sick. Like they're really good looking. Yeah. Um, and I I think I kind of seen them in passing when they were there for for the GP or whatever, but hadn't actually gotten up close and personal with them. So. Um, and I and I just have to say it, man. NASCAR is just it, it's fun. Like it's just fun to go to the event, and it was fun to walk around. And um, you know, they they do some things poorly, but they do a lot of things very well. And it was it was interesting to get you know kind of see that other perspective of it. We saw the Nelly concert on the front on the front straight, which was neat. Um, and then yeah, I got to got to the race. We did the grid walk and everything, which was which was cool. And um, started watching the race. And Connor, so for those that don't know, practice six laps in, his steering column broke, which is the most Connor Daly thing that could ever happen to yeah. him. And he crashed, and that was I've, all of practice. I, I felt that one. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was probably trying to turn. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> So, um, he didn't. He didn't qualify. Man, he didn't practice. Those jokes never get. They old. really don't. They really don't. <laughs> they do land every time. Yeah. <laughs> so he he had to start last, and this is. I mean, this is a big deal. Like, it's cup. I it's mean, it's a cup debut. Like that's a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. And I'll be honest. Like, the first stint was not good. Um, it wasn't good at all. The second stint was. Mar marginally better the third stint was like pretty decent when you look at kind of the guys that he ended up you know competing against and you, you compare the lap times to the guys that were kind of top 20 fringes of top 20 like he was there thereabouts. so again it was once he got laps under his belt and the consistency and the repetition then got another set of new tires and could kind of start over again like it was coming but it's so hard to, especially with no practice. Like you've yeah, never I mean, seen the track before and had six like laps in the car. Four hot laps, you know, an out right. lap, four hot laps and a crash lap. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the impossible. biggest. Yeah. I mean, when you think that we, again, just going back to our Bathurst adventure, we had a full test day beforehand and then like two full days of practice at the track. And it still was impossible to like do good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't by the third stint we figured it out. <laughs> right. So I and, and, it, and it was interesting because like I was I was on the timing stand and everyone was kind of like not really knowing what to say. And then by the end, people started getting getting excited. So anyways, I think Connor did a good job. He had two punctures. Um who oh, knows wow. why that happens. It seems to be a good year thing. Um and his car also caught on fire, which is also really very did it. 
It's yeah. but still it's vintage dude. Connor Daly. That hadn't happened to him in a while. <laughs> but it wasn't that's like during fueling or anything. It just spontaneously, spontaneously combusted. Com- yeah, that's yeah, been an that, issue. They've that been used having to that to Connor. Well, yes, but yes, but it's also been an issue all year in Cup. They've just had cars randomly setting themselves on fire for like a bunch of different reasons. There's some well, at least really at least when they crash, happening. you're safe. That's mm. usually not a. That's not ideal, right? You don't no. want to catch on fire. The car yeah. may look cool, but there's a lot of things that little. A lot of there little are some they need to behind the on. scenes issues. Yeah, but I mean that's 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 developed to the point and escalated to the point where NASCAR is now having weekly meetings with the entire drivers association and NASCAR to sort of discuss what the drivers are feeling in the cars after the second driver has been sidelined with concussions, uh, concussion like symptoms now for multiple weeks. So yeah, scary stuff for sure. Um, hopefully they're on it the way they need to be. And, um, we obviously wish Kurt and, and Alex, uh, quick recoveries. um, so what what is it that you think is causing that? It it feels weird for there to be more concussions in a closed cockpit. So yeah, so with the next gen car, um, these square rearward impacts are really having a big a big effect on the drivers. And when you think of what you know a stock car looks like, right? And back in the day, they would back it into the wall all the time. And just the entire crash structure at the back, the whole trunk area, everything basically up to the rear axle was just crash structure and uh, absorb a ton of energy. But at that point, the gearbox was in the same place gearbox is traditionally on you know, a road car. It's kind of beside the driver under the shifter. Now with the sequential box, it's actually sort of moved back to the transaxle, the kind of similar to the setup of an IndyCar. So the gearbox is at the back. And so it's now this big metal chunk of race car and the whole structure of the car has been made stiffer because of the way that they've designed it and gone to more composite stuff. And so, so when the you, kinetic energy just goes straight into the driver. Right. They just they they down. haven't they hadn't anticipated how much crash structure was required now that there's so much essentially steel back there, you know, just just taking this hit and just firing it through the car and to the driver. So like the Bowman one was crazy because you watch that accident and I mean like in NASCAR terms, he barely hit the wall, it looks like and drives it back to the pits. And what was so concerning to me was the radio message. You know, he gets on the radio and says, I don't know how I'm driving this back to the pits. That was the hardest wreck I've ever had in my career. And like all four wheels are pointing straight. And when you look at it, it it barely looked like a, like an incident. That's the kind of thing in NASCAR, you throw some duct tape on it and he gets back in the race and off you go. And he did like, that's exactly what happened. But from his perception inside the car, was it was the hardest crash he'd ever had in a race car. So definitely some things to uh, to work on on that side, but they are actively working on. They have been, you know, for a while. Obviously, what happened to Kurt back in Pocono really set things in motion, but I think they've been working on it for a while. And, um, you know, there's only a handful of races left this year. I'm not sure what's going to change in the next few weeks, but certainly for 23, it'll be a lot of updates. And I know the Drivers Association and, and Jeff Burton, who's the the head of that, I've been working diligently behind the scenes with NASCAR from the driver's perspective and getting their voices heard, which I think is very important. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that develops, but long story short, Connor did a great job considering. And again, let's go back to the fact that the equipment he was in part-time team, they don't have like a big tech alliance. It's not like they're just buying a Hendrick car or something. So, uh, it was great for, him to be running as well as he did at the end in the number 50 bit Nile 
Chevy. Money team. The, the money team, which is kind of interesting. Do you want to do a cup race, Alex? Would you do a road course no. racing cup? No. 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 Not I just, would, not I would just maybe, have the experience? No. I would maybe consider doing one in Xfinity, but I'm not... I'm not jumping straight in with the big boys and getting my ass kicked. Straight like, well, you, you would have to like, is it, do you have to go through the Xfinity ladder or do they don't, no. they don't care. There's no, there's no bull FIA super no, license. Yeah. No, there's no, just like IndyCar, any Tom, Dick and Harry can do it. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was a good weekend. It was a good day. We um, then proceeded to uh, find some, some places to eat and get some some food and beverages on our mm. way home mm. and uh had a nice little little day trip with the boys yeah yeah, yeah. i heard uh heard you were blasting quite a lot of shania twain on the flight home <laughs> an appropriate amount which as a canadian whose mother was born in the same town timmins ontario as shania twain i highly endorse so yeah. i also woke up with like a quarter of a pop tart in my jeans pocket, which I thought was strange. Nothing about that <laughs> surprises me. Yeah. But uh, uh, well, yeah. yeah, that sounds like a fun time. Mm-hmm. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Did you, uh, did you do anything this weekend, Tim? I had the best weekend because all of my plans got canceled. Like, See, that's I a weird to, statement. But uh, I, I would agree I, with that. No, it's the best. When there's something you kind of don't want to do and then the other party cancels so you don't have to do it and you don't have the guilt of canceling plans. Yeah, no, that's great. It's the best. That's great. I just, yeah. yeah, I'm just, why are you agreeing to do things you don't want to do? I mean, you know, you do it sometimes. You, you got the obligations. You feel like you got to like. Oh, I do it all the time. I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah you so literally it was went to Vegas I, for a bachelor party. I mean, so did you. <laughs> I thought we all liked that, though. Um, no, it was great. I sat around. I watched. I watched that new show on Netflix, Midnight Club. I uh, which one's yeah. that? It's the new Mike Flanagan one. The like the guy who does all the horror shows for them. He did. Um, 
Midnight Mass. He did Haunting of Bly Manor, The Haunting of Hill House. Hill House, yeah. Yeah. Any good? It's really good. All right. It's not as scary as the other ones. It's more of like a slow burn psychological thing. So that was a fun weekend. Uh, so you know, it was a little bit more of an anticlimactic weekend was uh, was F1, if we want to talk about that. I do. I do want to talk about that because it just it's just another example of the FIA getting in their own way of yeah. doing something right. And it's so frustrating. So, I mean, where do you even start? The, the race in Japan started for a lap, got red flagged because of rain. A whole issue with uh, the safety truck being on the track, which is very sensitive issue. Very um, upsetting, like appalling. Considering yeah. it was at that same track in, I think, 2015. 14. When, yeah. 14. Sorry. Yep. I didn't. I didn't see this. What happened? The last driver uh, to be killed in an F1 car. Hit. No, no. I meant with the truck on the track. I didn't oh. see this weekend. Again, I was busy in with the all rain. Those plans in the canceled. rain, they had a. The crane that was moving a car while people were on track, not under yellow. Well, no, no, it was, it was. Th- was this it is, under yellow? yeah. Okay. The, the issue was, it was, it was. From what I understood, it was under yellow, and then because it was retrieving the car, right? So right. that's why it was under yellow. The safety car was out, but people were still trying to catch up, and they just couldn't see anything. Like the visibility is so bad. The chance of aquaplaning is so high, which is what caused the accident that they were retrieving in the first place. So that particular part of the racetrack was prone to aquaplaning and sending cars off, and they just had a, a truck on the track. And at one point, they had even red flagged it, but Gasly, was he had stopped for a nose change, and he was trying to catch up to the field. So even though it was under red flag conditions – they thought it was okay to send the truck on the track, but it's like, no, when all the other cars are off the track, regardless of the condition, you know, because you could even at a hundred kilometers an hour, which is like safety car speed. If you spear off an aquaplane and hit a heavy piece of heavy machinery, that's bad in a race car. So massive screw up at the start of the race from the FIA. And then the, the race restarts, but it becomes a timed race. And after the whole debacle last year at Spa, when they ran two laps behind the pace car and then called it an official race and gave 100 or gave 50% points, I think, right? They redid the rules. And it was like, if you get 25% of the race done, you get this many points. 50% of the race done, it's this many points. 75% of the race done, you get full points. And so they were going to clock over to the 50% but they weren't going to get to 75%. So it was going to be half points. And based on the way everyone was going to finish, Max was not going to be crowned champion. Well, and two things happened in the last lap, basically. On the last corner of the last lap, Leclerc cut a chicane under big pressure from Perez, ended up getting, so he crossed the line second, ends up getting a five-second penalty and being demoted to third. With half points, that still wasn't enough for Max to win the championship. But what nobody understood was that the way the rule was written to the letter was if the race is stopped at 50% distance or 75, whatever, then that's how many points you get. But if it finishes, if it, if it reaches a checkered flag under green conditions, essentially, whether it's been green for 10 minutes, they've run 10 minutes or five laps or whatever, as long as it finishes and gets the checkered flag, then they get full points. And so in the middle of his interview, basically, Max gets told, you know, 
kind of blase that he's the world champion. Then he gets told, no, he wasn't. Then he gets told he was. This poor dude, like, last year's championship obviously was exciting, but obviously still a lot of controversy around it. So I'm sure there were elements that weren't just as easy to enjoy as if you just won it clean and simple. And then this time it was going to be that, and he didn't get the chance to, like, do the cool-down lap and thank the team on the radio or say, like, it just was all sort of so anticlimactic. And it's like, man, at that point, the FIA should have just been like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't see that last line in the rule book and let it go to the next race. Cause like they just boned it, man. It was the whole point of rewriting that rule was to avoid this exact kind of scenario. And every team owner is like, yeah, I guess we're all to blame because we all helped write it, but the wording was just not what we intended. Yeah. I mean, that that's a thing that we deal with a lot, right? Is the intent versus the actual word. And in, I get the it. Black like, and white, the black and white lettering. Like, if you can have some of those rules and it's right. ridiculous. But. And if it's actually written like that, then yes, I guess they did do the right thing. But they <laughs> screwed up in writing a rule that would allow that to happen in the first place. So, I didn't know Canadians called it aquaplaning. That was my big takeaway from the F1 rant. I've always heard hydroplaning. Same thing. I know. I've never heard aquaplaning. I call Is it both. Like, I've never heard it. Oh. Who so who like called it aquaplaning? Thing? Me? You or? did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just figured it was maybe a Canadian thing. Hydroplane. Yeah. I mean, it's, no, I've I think I've both. always, yeah, I've heard both. I've, I think I probably defer to aquaplaning though. I don't know why. Hmm. Let me, let me just say that the most enjoyable part of the F1 race for me personally was the following. <laughs> Please tell me that we're on the same page on this. <laughs> probably. So race is red flagged for a couple hours, gets restarted. Um, everyone restarted the race on the full wet weather tire because everyone started on the intermediate had hydro slash aquaplaning and they had to stop the race. So everyone went back out on the full wet and Sebastian Vettel, he had an issue on lap one, turn one. So it was pretty much at the back kind of rolled the dice after a really good qualifying, mind you. Yes. Kind of rolled the dice him and Latifi, I believe. Um, kind of pitted the first opportunity, put the intermediates on, which is just, it's unbelievable how much of a better tire the intermediate is. And it's just fascinating that we still continue down the road of even bothering with the full wet tire in F1 because it's un, the conditions where you need the full wet, it's undrivable because of visibility. And, and aquaplaning. Hydroplaning. Hydroplaning. Aquaplaning. So it's, it's like we're never going to run the race when it needs that tire. <clears throat> Every other time, the intermediate is the correct tire. So, so anyways... So immediately kind of gets through the first two sectors and the third sector is already matching the times of the full wet weather tire. And his next lap is like exponentially quicker than Verstappen, the leader on on full wets. And Mercedes at this point is asking George what tire. And he was like, 100% full wet, 100%. Like there's no chance I can drive anything else full wet. And they're like, okay. Well, he does another lap, and then I think Norris took the opportunity to come in. And so at this point, like five or six cars have already switched to the inner. And so this is now Vettel's second lap. The third lap for Stappens in. So the leaders are starting to come in. And Mercedes again is like, George, we need to switch to inners. And he's like flat out refusing. And they're like, shut up, pit. Okay? So he pits, puts the inners on, goes back out, and then for the next two or three laps is 
bitching about how this is the worst decision. He literally is quoted, this is the worst decision we have ever made. Now, the the only sidebar I'll give to that is that I think he was as mad about the fact that they called Hamilton in on the same lap, so he had a double stack a little bit, so he did lose a bit of time in the pits. Was it as much time as he would have lost doing another lap on wets? I don't know. It probably was pretty equal. I'm like, sorry, tough that's like that's where you were in the race. You got to come in, and if you got a double stack behind your teammate, that's just what happens sometimes. I mean, qualify better, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll qualify your teammate, and right. it's not a problem. Yeah. Right. So he he was kind of going off on this thing, and so at this point, I was already pretty pretty annoyed with George. I was like, George, just shut up, just yeah. drive the Put race, your car. head down, and yeah, and just get job. on with it, right? And then about 10, 15 laps later, um, George passed. Latifi. Latifi. Was it Latifi? I'm pretty sure it was Latifi. So, yeah, I knew it was a car. It wasn't like a good car. It was kind of a mid-pack, whatever car. And he passed him in a in a pretty unique part of the track. Good yeah. move. And just gets on the radio and starts stroking his own And I hate that. And I know James hates that, too. Because it is the most... It wasn't a pass for the win... For the lead, locked up, sideways, crazy. It, he he passed for like eighth or ninth. He passed for I think it was ninth, and I think and it was the look. This is not a shot at 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 Nick Latifi, the guy that was last in the drivers' championship for the team that's last in the constructors' championship. He's driving a Mercedes, right? Like under no circumstances should you not pass him. And he just gets on the radio with the most self-aggrandizing, cocky, ugh. That was a good one, huh? And it's like nobody asked you, George. No one and asked also, you. And also, no one even responded because no, they were like, probably fed up with him at this point. Dude, the amount of F1 drivers that get on the radio after every time they make an overtake on track and just, oh god, just pump their own tires. Like, did you guys see that one? Oh, how awesome was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I have never once, myself or no, anyone I know, I've never witnessed this. And like a year in TV now where we get to hear a lot of radio transmissions have never once heard a driver make a pass. Actually, I take that back. There's one guy, but we'll leave that out of it. Anyway, they just, there's something over there where like just they have this, this feeling that like they need to just tell people how good they are when they do something. And it's like, that's your job, man. Like, like when a, when a, when a, when a male delivery person puts the mail in the mailbox and closes the door they don't call their boss up and be like boss you are not gonna believe what i just did i closed the out of that mailbox it's incredible <laughs> it's incredible and i drove i drove straight to the next one you're not gonna believe it i went they didn't straight even, they didn't even see it coming they didn't even see it coming straight to the next one pow two in a row then i'm like i bet i could pull off the hat trick and guess what three in a all row day boss. Long. all day long boss doing this for days it's, just, it's I hate it so much, man. Like, don't you don't get a medal just for doing what you're supposed to do. And like, it wasn't even like a good. It's for eighth. Shut up, man. Yeah, it's the worst. I hate that. I hate it so much. Yeah, but but yes, but you kind of alluded to the other part. So yes, we agree that was my favorite, but also least favorite part of the race. Mm. But you alluded to the other part, which was so Vettel qualified really well and not a great car. You know, his last race in Japan, he talked a lot about how much he loved it. Got a great start. Contact in the first lap. Kind of his fault. Goes off, P last, takes a risk on enters, cycles through to like eighth, and then ends up finishing sixth, I think, in a not great car, bunch of points. Last time in Japan, very happy for Seb. I like him a lot. 
I like what he's about. And I'm glad that he had a great last race at his favorite track. I really want to drive that place, man. That place looks awesome. You've it obviously done that. Like and so good. It's just God, it just looks incredible. Every everything about it is is wonderful. Do, um, do you think do you think it's good in like any car or is it like uniquely awesome in an F1 car? I mean, I think uniquely awesome in an F1 car, but like uh, uh, a super whatever they call whatever it's called now, not super GT, uh, oh, the Japanese um, version of GP2 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, super Formula. Super, uh, is that what it is? Yeah. Wasn't that the soccer team one? Oh, oh, maybe. Yeah. It's something else. It, well, it used to be called Formula Nippon. Yeah. Whatever. The Japanese version of IndyCar, essentially. Right. Um, it'd be cool in one of those. Any high pre- power downforce. High downforce. Yeah. yeah. Would like, it be cool in like an LMDH car? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The high cool level one. proto. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyways, it uh I love I love F one drivers talking about how great they are. I love NASCAR drivers um talking about how everyone else is but we, we we forgot something that was a very key thing that happened at the cup race tell me tell me well <clears throat> so props to christopher bell for the win props to christopher bell for the win chase briscoe yes advanced yes now kyle larson did not advance correct chase briscoe would have advanced really regardless of what occurred in the last chicane of the last lap However, it has now just been released that Cole Custer got fined $100,000. The team lost fit or the driver lost 50 points. Entrant lost 50 points. Crew chief got fined $100,000 and is suspended because it would appear that they were deliberately checking up cars going into the back straight. You know, when Briscoe seemingly outbroke himself and was going to go straight and pass like four cars, it was because Custer kind of break check the line, the high line, which seems unbelievable that they would be able to orchestrate it like that. That seems very tricky to pull off. Very, very hard. So that's where I kind of don't buy that this was what happened. However, NASCAR has apparently looked into it and has assessed a pretty hefty fine. And the only reason that it's not way worse is because NASCAR acknowledges the fact that it didn't actually affect the outcome instead of transferring on a tie break, he was going to transfer or sorry, right. instead of transferring by two points, he was going to transfer on a tie break. So um, hats off to chase regardless for getting it in unbelievable to think that Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush are not in the final eight. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh it is a, it is a wild system, but it is, it keeps you entertained. I mean, just to show like the the juxtaposition between F drivers, F1 drivers and NASCAR drivers, the amount of articles that I read after the cup race with drivers being like, I screwed up. I let my team down. I drove dumb. I made mistakes. You know, guys just standing up, guys like Carl Larson, guys like I think Austin Sindrick made Austin. some comment about like the worst race he's ever driven. Like just stood like stood up and be like, I screwed that up and I let people down and I feel really bad about it. I'm not sure I've ever heard of an F1 driver do that. Well, no, I think it's much I think- rarer. I think um, Austin's point was because I think he did a he had a he had a good day going. He had some contact spun in in one of the chicanes, and his whole thing was like I then proceeded to drive like an absolute dick, right? 
and I kind of apologize, but like it was do or die for me. Right. And so I had to kind of throw all standards out the window to try and just get it through. So I think, I think that's a little bit more, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, no, it's, yeah, but, yeah, it's the same acknowledges thing. These guys the original mistake. Yes, exactly. And then was like, yeah, yeah, then I had, yeah, then I had to do some questionable things, but like if it had worked, it would have been worth it. And it didn't work. So he's like, yeah, sorry. I, I did what I had to do, what I thought I had to do. And I put us in that position, whatever. I just, I know I always respect when people stand up and, and sort of take oh, that. Sure. If you're one of the people that he did that to, do you think you still respect or does it sting a little? You know what, man? There seems to be a, a, a level of understanding in, in stock car racing that's much higher than any other form of motorsports for that kind of stuff. Like the amount of times that guys get wrecked or like moved out of the way on the last lap and be like, yeah, no, I would have done the same thing. And it's just like, it's it's incomprehensible sometimes for people not from the stock car world to understand that. But I think as long as he didn't sacrifice, you know, somebody else who was having a great day in general, or certainly affect anyone else getting in, you know, that without ultimately so, getting so himself here's, in. Here's a question I have, and we'll we'll end on this as a is a brain teaser, thought provoker. Do you think guys would have that same sort of reaction if they got dumped from third or for the lead or whatever, if it wasn't this playoff system? Because ultimately DNFs, if you're a good car, DNFs don't really hurt you. Like they potentially can injure you and they cost your team a lot of money. But like, assuming you're a good car, you, you have 30 odd races a year, you're probably going to win one. So you're going to get into the, you're going to get into the playoffs, right? And that's kind of your only goal through the regular season. Like, it's like, yeah, Chase Elliott won the regular season championship. No one talks about that. Like, no one cares, right? So right. I, do you think, because in IndyCar, if you got dumped by someone, like, that's a big hit. A goose egg's a big hit in terms, right. of, your, uh, in terms of your year. Right, so you're saying in the regular season, if someone dumps you out of the way, but you're a good car that's probably already got a win under your belt, like do you really care? Yeah, I mean, it probably stings less than than if it was a normal point system where, again, one DNF in a 36-race calendar is certainly you know less detrimental than a DNF in a 17-race calendar, but it still adds up. I mean, the whole reason the playoff system was invented was because, I forget the year... Oh, three, I think maybe mm, I forget, but it was the year Kenseth won the championship because he won one race and won the title. It was very, very IndyCar 2022. Uh, Ryan Newman, I want to say won like eight races or something, but he had a bunch of DNS. And so they're like, well, it seems weird that a guy that was just like kicked, he had tons of poles, tons of wins, but just a lot of DNFs doesn't win the championship. So they come up with this new system. So that way, you can't just have one guy win one race. And I mean, to be fair, you could still have, I mean, ultimately that's what happened in Xfinity last year. It's exactly what happened in Xfinity last yeah. year. So it didn't entirely work, but it still works more often than not. I well, mean, actually, you know what? They almost, they almost did it backwards. Cause you think back to last year. No. Did Larson, yeah, Larson won last year. Mm -hmm. I think back to last year when Larson won like what? 10 races in the regular season or something insane like that. He could have very well not been the champion. Right. And like, but, that's kind of stupid. Yeah. But I got to say, as I... Other sports I, are the it, same, right? As I, as I progress through, you know, what we're doing with IndyCar and, and looking to see what we can do to be better and, and how do we stay relevant, like the, the sporting side of it, my opinion will never change. 
but like I do see a lot of relevancy and a lot of goodness to the playoff system from a entertainment fan standpoint because me watching that race it was awesome to watch guys scrap for any position in eighth or ninth because they were below the cut line by a point and they were like doing exactly what we got why we got the race into overtime and there was this show and everything happened like that was incredibly entertaining yeah it works man there's no doubt it works um how would we do it in indycar you think you do like a four race deal where it's like every one of the, I don't, I mean, yeah, a 36 race calendar makes your options a lot easier. Right. But I think, I feel the only way it could work for us is if you took the last four races and the first three were the cutoffs. And then the last race was the championship finale. I think it's, I think it's, I think 17 is too few. Cause if you look at, if you just take the page out of the NFL's book, right. Their regular season 17, right. right? Like you gotta have, you gotta have more than that because you gotta give people, some latitude to have bad days like it's got to happen you can't have it and no in football they don't once you're in the playoffs there's no latitude for bad no no, no, that's what i mean i mean getting to the point where we can get into get into the playoffs well you've got 13 races to do it and then your playoffs are four then you don't have multiple rounds no well no your your rounds are each race is a is an elimination you'd have some weird people winning championships man like especially I mean, in maybe, car. maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe it'd, be, inter- it'd be interesting to actually go and look at we the results from the past five this. years, yeah, and be like, okay, at thirteen, these were the people that are in, and then with the results that happened for the next four, who would have actually won the championship? Yeah, maybe. Right. So you have ten that get in after thirteen, and then after the first race, it the, the back back three drop. The second race, the next three drop, and then you got four drivers going for the title. Oh, wait, so I guess it'll be the last three. Um, all right, so next, I mean, I'm getting sad, man. There's not a lot of racing left this year. It's, I mean, it's NASCAR playoffs. I mean, there's still technically F1 races happening. I they just don't probably won't much. watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder. It'd be interesting to see the like stats on viewership drop off in F1 when the championships wrapped up with. A million races to go. I wonder how the last four races are affected by this. From like, a viewership there's literally standpoint. no storyline. Well, most people won't know until next season of Drive to Survive comes out. That's a great point. Um, yeah, the, the, the nine hundred thousand people that watch in the states. Let's see how many people tune in for the next four races. Um, like I'll watch Abu Dhabi because it's 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 a good looking race to watch. Hilarious mm-hmm. word. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, yeah, I Austin's not Dakota. usually a great race. I won't watch Mexico. I won't watch Brazil. So I'll watch Abu Dhabi. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I am going to watch. You have to. Austin and Mexico City and Abu Dhabi as I will be working those races uh, for F1TV.com, the online streaming service for Formula One. I have been asked to join the the programming for three of the last four rounds, which is pretty cool and exciting. So... I'll be down in Austin. I'll be down in Mexico City. I will be in Abu Dhabi. Well, I can tell you what. If I'm not watching it on ESPN or ESPN2, I'm certainly not watching it on F1TV.com. Hey, hey. But they I have a lot of cool features, time. and you should sign up because it's oh, I got a very thing. good I got a value for money. Mm. Yeah. That's the best part. You can watch it on replay whenever you want. I got a thing that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, no. They got the best thing. They got the 30-minute highlight, which is what every sport really needs. 
Anyway, guys, uh, we will be back next week with, I don't know what, but we'll figure it out. Maybe a guest. Which maybe we could get a guest next week. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. We'll try and guess it up. Uh, and thanks for listening. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Tim, though I have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Find us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. The music you heard on this episode is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. You can find him online at hollandpattonpubliclibrary.com. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean fit. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.